asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Let's be honest, the first place our family turns to when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach, like St. Simons on the Georgia coast, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home? That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room if you've got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. I'm Matt. And today we are answering your listener questions. You know what, buddy? We've got listener questions to tackle today. We've got five voice memos to get to that have been sent our way. Uh, we've got a listener, and she's starting to have the problem of being able to afford some expensive family vacations. She wants to know how to handle that. Another listener is wondering, the, uh, by paying off his credit cards too soon, does that mean that he's missing out on some of the different rewards that he is entitled to? And then another listener is wanting to know the optimal way to pay more down on his mortgage every single month in order to, you know, get rid of that loan a little bit sooner. But we've got those three plus a few others during this episode. Yeah, we'll hit them all up. And by the way, it's a yeah, it's a How to Money Monday, which I dig. I think you should be listening if, if <laughs> on Mondays, every Monday, right? We all Sometimes I like to say How to Monday. How to Monday. That's what we so should. It's an ask... How to Monday yeah. episode. We can just change the name of our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's always fun to tackle listener questions. But before we get to those, Matt, I wanted to quickly mention something my little sister is doing to save money. Your little that sister. I, ha I hadn't really thought about before. Aunt Sally. And so I, they just moved into a new place. I, I think in the fall uh, into a new apartment in Midtown Atlanta. Right. This is her and her husband. Yep, is they. Yep, the two. By of the them. way, I'll say your sister. If anybody out there is wondering, uh, Joel's sister looks exactly like Joel. Just with longer hair. Yeah. If I put a wig on, we would look the same. <laughs> like, like scarily similar. She's like six inches shorter than me, which is still tall for a female. Yes. But so I, I was like, oh, yeah, well, when it comes to renewal time, you guys going to stay put? You like it there? And they're like, we like it a lot, but no, we'll move for sure. And I was like, oh, interesting. Okay. Why are you going to move for sure? And they said, well, because of all the new apartments being built around us. They these new apartment buildings are often offering just ridiculous incentives for you mm, to come over there very nice. and leave your current place. And so my brother-in-law, he said, we'll probably get two months worth of free rent for moving. And when you're talking about something like a $2,500 a month apartment, 
That's a lot of money. That's five yeah, grand, that's right? Decent change right yeah, there. As and, long and, as it doesn't cost you more than 5000 to move. Right. And uh, so, well, that's the thing. They're hyper-minimalist, so they have very few possessions. They just, like, throw on their backpack and walk <laughs> over. They're like, done. Pretty much. Just got done moving in. Pretty much. It's kind <laughs> of insane how little they own. And so, I that, love that. yeah, they prioritize travel. They prioritize owning just a few things. That's and this so is, awesome. This is one of those ways in which they can move right down the street to another apartment and save a bunch of money. And so, did, super th- cool. I don't know how replicable this is. It depends on where you live and how how much crap you got yeah how much crap you got and how many new apartments are being built but this is one of those things where you're not as likely if you stay loyal to get a major mm. discount on rent if they say yeah we're going to stay put hey can you match this offer that apartment complex is going to say nope no can do so the only way in which you're going to score the deal is to actually move and and find somewhere else to live that's offering this sweet incentive so yeah just uh news to anybody out there i don't know if there's a new apartment nearby where you live and you're like oh yeah i'd like to test that one out oftentimes to try to get tenants in the door they'll offer this thing and so and if they're being built at the same rate they're being built in midtown atlanta yeah. you can you can like basically do this use this recipe almost every year <laughs> to, save, to save a lot of money i like it it's a good good tactic it's a good approach especially if you are into being the first person to ever live in a place i, I mm-hmm. mean I've never lived in a brand new house before, so the idea of moving into a unit or an apartment or a house, that, that has never been, like, nobody else has used that toilet before. Right. I'm going to use it. <laughs> well, all the new amenities, too. I mean, like yeah, the, yeah, the pool. Bet, the, all the, oh, my gosh. I bet, I bet they are incredibly nice. Well, I remember one, the last place they lived had a speakeasy, basically. So it was like in hidden. In the apartment? Not in the apartment, but like in the main quarters or whatever, in the main room. So there's no like way. some ping pong out here, like right <laughs> next to the pool. But there was this, this you like the speakeasy. Phone booth. Yeah, uh, exactly. Basically. And I'm back like, of this one closet. Okay, apartments are getting too fancy. This is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's awesome. But yeah, that's a, a good piece of advice. Treat your apartment building sort of like you would your car insurance. Don't stay loyal. Shop mm-hmm. it around. But uh, Joe, let's get to the beer you and I are going to enjoy that we're going to share during this episode. This is a double cloud. And not surprisingly, this is a double IPA by New Park Brewing. Another one given to the show by listener Matthew. And by the way, he doesn't spell it like you spell Matthew my name. He spells it uh, with a I-E-U. So the more like, is that the more European? That's the hoity-toity version, I think. Yeah, he's <laughs> more highbrow than you. Uh, which doesn't take much. So. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. All right, let's get to the the ask how to money questions for today, Matt. This, this is Anybody out there, by the way, if you've got a money question you want Matt and I to tackle, we would love to take it on, on an upcoming episode. Just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. We've got simple instructions there for you to record your questions, send it our way so we can hopefully take it you know, in a couple weeks on the show. Yeah. But uh, let's get to the first one, Matt. This one is from a listener who thinks her family vacations are getting a little too expensive. They're getting out of hand. Hey, Joel and Matt. I'm Tiffany from North Carolina. I wanted to get your opinion on this. My family is spending too much on vacations. We used to just do one beach trip a year, but it seems like now we're going on a trip for every family occasion. I love my family time, but it's too expensive for me to go on all the family trips. I'm single income, my family's pretty small, so when we split the costs, it's still expensive. At least it is for me. Right now, I'm trying to save up money for some home improvements and a few trips with some friends this year, so I'm kind of hesitant to budget $1,000 for a cruise for my nephew's birthday or a trip to see my second cousin this summer. That will cost me about $500 for my share and a few more trips that my family wants to plan this year. I've suggested small get-togethers at one of our houses instead, or a staycation, but my family is set on these destination trips. I don't want to say no to family time or making memories, but I might just have to. Any thoughts on how to handle this? Thanks so much, and love the show. 
Ooh, seems like Tiffany's stuck between a rock and a hard place because yes, destination trips, vacations like that can definitely get expensive. They don't, they don't have to be expensive, but it sounds like uh, they are definitely getting that way for this family. It sounds like maybe they're experiencing some vacation lifestyle creep. Like, like <laughs> yeah. maybe they started out kind of reasonable, and now Tiffany's all of a sudden like, wait, what's what's going on? Is what? everybody got a bunch of money that I don't? Sometimes it's a case <laughs> of like one is fun, then like. 10 must be even better, but that, <laughs> why, then it becomes not? prohibitively expensive for other folks. You know, like I almost feel like this could be considered a frugal versus cheap because like I'm guessing that there's a chance that Tiffany's family might think that she's actually being cheap by not shelling out the money that it would take to make all of these trips happen. But I definitely appreciate the thoughtfulness that she is giving to her finances. Yeah. I mean, you got to, right? I mean, there, there's... It's true. There's all these sort of things out there clawing for our money. We talked not too long ago on a Friday flight about retailer tricks and how they're trying to part us from our money. They're using psychological tools to try to get us to spend more than we otherwise would. And this is one of those other things. It seems more benign and it seems more like, well, we should be funneling our money more in this direction. But we've all got kind of individual priorities that we have with our personal finances. And it sounds like Tiffany, she wants to go on these family vacations, but it's also pretty expensive. And though it comes, it comes with trade-offs and, and, you know, it's not to say that her family isn't being thoughtful about their finances. I think some people might think that, well, they're just being spendthrifts. They're being frivolous. They're being irresponsible. Yeah, but that's not true. They might be in a different financial position, a different point in their financial journey. They're and different so, tax brackets, man. Right. Exactly. I mean, that, and that will <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe don't, don't, change. don't assume that, but that'll, that'll show, or they might be going into more debt in order to go on some of these vacations too. And so it's, th- that's one of those things is hard. We don't always have a, uh, a window behind the scenes for other people, how they're spending their money and whether or not they just have more money than we do or whether they're like making an irresponsible decision. That's true. But I think whichever side of the argument you find yourself gravitate, gravitating towards, both parties can intentionally spend their money in a smart way that aligns with their ultimate goals. And it could end up looking completely different for different people. I think Tiffany sees that, right? She's uh, even said that the trips are getting expensive, at least for her. And that's, so it's, that's true. Yeah. It may not be expensive for her family, but at least for her, they're getting to be almost, yeah, untenable. Yeah. And since it's your personal finances, like you've got to make a decision based on what's going on in, in your life. And so it's worth pointing out that even when you have the same goals in life, in this case, it's to spend more time together as a family, how it is that you go about getting there can be wildly different. And so... Um, yeah, of course, Tiffany wants to spend time with her family. She she just wants it to cost a little bit less. And they've got this shared goal, but she's looking to take the more frugal path to getting there, which I think is is wise. Totally. Yeah. So let's discuss what her next steps could be, uh, because she said that she's already made the suggestion, right? I think she's, she said something about a staycation, uh, maybe someone in the family hosting the next get together. But it doesn't sound like she's gotten anywhere with that suggestion. <laughs> uh, and so I think one approach could be to specifically name it, right? Like I'm talking about taking the bull by the horns and address that the reason you're interested in a more affordable option, Tiffany, is because you're you're looking to save some money, right? Like maybe in the excitement of planning the next trip, your family members, they might just hear staycation and all that registers in their mind is boring. <laughs> uh, they might be confusing your desire to save money as a lack of creativity, right? Like they might be seeing you being a little more frugal as you not having a sense of adventure. They're not really looking at the money side of things. Uh, but if you're able to tackle the issue of money more directly, right? Like tackle it head on, then they might be able to interpret your suggestions in an entirely new light. Yeah. For once, they might hear what you're saying, which is, guys, 
I can barely afford these things and there are other goals that I have in life as opposed to you sounding like, well, I just want to kind of stay home <laughs> because, well, that's not, I mean, the point obviously is for y'all to get together, but they might be, again, they're trying to achieve that family time together by going abroad or going on some of these more fun vacations. Like yeah. A sometimes if, or something if like you that. don't name it, if you don't put all your cards on the table, it's hard for them to react to the underlying problem, right? Exactly. The underlying problem is that things have gotten too expensive, not that you just aren't adventurous, right? And so laying your cards out and letting them know kind of, hey, this is where I'm at and this is why I, I need or want to make a change to how we're doing this, I think will cause, typically will cause people to say, oh, okay, I didn't realize that was the why behind this. And I think it'll create some new conversations, a new chance for you guys to, well, one, start talking about money more in your family, which is cool. But also I think will help your loved ones to start thinking about different ways maybe to get family time that costs less than maybe some of the trips are currently totally embarking on. Uh, so, But if you do that, let's say, and nobody's willing to consider a more affordable alternative, then maybe it's time to move beyond suggestions and actually sit it out on the next planned vacation. Because I think a lot of folks are interested in saving money, your family included. And you might say something like, hey, let's find a way to make some memories together that that doesn't cost a fortune, right? And I, I think that that's something most folks can get behind. Yeah, few folks are saying like, hey, let's take a, our next family vacation and spend as much money as possible. Right, yeah. <laughs> hey, can we go bankrupt in the process? That'd be, <laughs> how great would that be? Like, that's not typically the kind of the, the route that they're taking. And, and of course, they also, when it's time getting the loved ones together, it, off, the goal is often not to leave people out who can't afford to join, right? And so, yeah, I think a lot of people are are interested in looking for ways to save money, but fewer people are actually willing to sacrifice in order to make that a reality like you, Tiffany. And so it might actually take you politely declining, actually missing one of those trips in order to change the trajectory of these vacations moving forward. But, you know, it, it also might not change their actions. That's important to note. Like you might put your cards on the table and they might still want to go on that ski trip to Aspen. But uh, <laughs> and then you have to make that decision whether yeah. or not you're going to participate. Either way, that's money that you've saved. Uh, if you if you opt to sit out, if you opt to not go on the trip, sad as it might be, you can put that money towards that home improvement project you're talking about or a trip with your friends instead. And hopefully you and your friends can get on the same page about a cheaper way to take that trip. And hopefully that just gives you more time to save up for the, the next family vacation. You might not be able to go on all of them, even though there might be pressure to do so, even though you want to do that. The reality is none of us can can do it all. That's right. Yeah. And she did say that it sounds like there's multiple trips happening, right? And so the ability to maybe I'm going to do all the odd trips <laughs> as yeah. opposed to every single one, or maybe I'll just do all the even trips this year, as opposed to it being this singular trip that where you know, where you would see all of your family members. It sounds like it's multiple trips. So maybe there are a few that she can kind of skip out on. Um, and, you know, Tiffany, I think that you can also demonstrate how much your family means to you by taking a more proactive role in the planning process as well. Again, it's not that you are not interested in seeing those folks. It's just that it's it's more of a money issue, right? Like, for instance, you could say, oh, hey, that last trip looked like so much fun. I'm bummed that I missed out. Uh, but to make sure that everyone can make it next time, uh, maybe I'll mind if I put together some ideas that we can all talk about. Like, it's again, not that you're trying to completely take over, but you would just like to, to share your thoughts in go-getter fashion. Uh, I think that's a very diplomatic way of going about it without ruffling you know, too many feathers. And if you were to do that, I can't imagine there are going to be many family members who would hear you say that and who would say, like, 
No way. Tahiti or bust. Right? <laughs> Even if other family family members are loaded and they really do want to go to the other side of the world, they you know they still can. Uh, but hopefully they'll see and they'll understand your situation and you'll all be able to find some common ground. Maybe some of those in-between trips will end up maybe being stateside. It'll be yeah. something that's more hosted at somebody's house as opposed to all of y'all forking out the dough and, you know, paying for lodging, paying for all the meals, as opposed to going to someone's house, uh, utilizing the sleeping bag, going out and buying groceries and all cooking together, which like can be a much more affordable a way. A day trip, a stay in a yurt, something like that. I mean, like there's a there's a cool place near us and we could like stay at a yurt for two nights and it'd be so cheap and there'd be so much cool hiking and stuff to do outdoors nearby that we I could totally see like us getting a family trip together there. But it's way more expensive to go international, right? Or even to hop on a plane and, and head somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I th- these are the kind of proposals though that maybe they hadn't thought about and maybe it'll be like a really fun way to take that next family trip that's less intense from a financial and planning aspect as well and it can kind of provide a new experience for your family to embark on so yeah but you got to be willing to suggest that thing and i think you got to be willing to lay your cards on the table and say hey listen it's a personal finance thing for me like i could have the money i could come up with it but then i wouldn't be able to meet my other goals which are to pay off this debt and to be saving 10 percent plus for retirement or whatever like be able to be willing and able to say those things out loud to your family members and i think maybe one of your family members might be like what's retirement <laughs> how do you save for retirement like it re- you really could end up helping yeah. some of your fam- family members out just by starting that conversation specifically on this topic of vacations and how much y'all are spending on them please tiffany's got family members and they just want to retire literally on the boat <laughs> hey. they're, they're gonna retire on the cruise that can work because it really i mean it can be affordable but i like what you said about suge- making another suggestion just because it can often just switch things up a little bit yeah. i mean seriously like if you're used to going on cruises there's there's only so many drinks that you can enjoy poolside while you're, <laughs> while you're out on the ocean. Right. And I will readily admit that's not something I have personally done. So maybe once I do actually go on a cruise, I'm going to freaking love it. And that's all I'm going to want to do. But I got to imagine that there are room for some more affordable vacations out yeah. there, some more affordable trips. That and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be, let's just meet up with, with our family at, at our, at our uncle's house. It really could be going on an excursion and staying overnight even, but it can be camping or like I said, a year. I mean, it can mm-hmm. be something really basic that can still be a complete blast. Yep, absolutely. All right, we've got several more questions that we're going to get to during this episode, including, I think, we're going to hear from, I believe, the youngest ever listener to have submitted a voice memo to the show. We're going to get to her question about investing, plus a few others, right after this. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. 
Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money all right matt let's keep taking listener questions and like I said before the break we're going to get to one from a really young how to money listener hi my name is alina i'm 11 years old and i am from california I have my own Charles Schwab account with stocks from Crocs, Walt Disney, Roblox, and Google. My question for you guys today is, I have $2,000 saved in my bank account. What are some good ways to save it or spend it? Or should I buy more stocks with it or save it for when I'm older? All right, Lena, thank you so much for that question. It is always fun for us to hear from some younger listeners out there, in particular, who are doing awesome correct things with their money. Uh, So we appreciate you sending that one our way and we will do our best to answer your question well here. So first of all, let's talk about investing specifically in single stocks for a second here, uh, because they can definitely be fun. They can be a a great way to pique your interest in investing. Uh, And we don't necessarily want you to stop investing in some of the different companies that you do business with, different companies who you support that you you are a fan of. But we would love to see you funnel some more of your future investment dollars into index funds. Uh, And the reason for that is because they are the cheapest way to invest. uh, And it is going to be far less risky, even though you might be a firm believer in the products that Crocs, Disney. Uh, what else did you mention? Uh, Roblox, Google, Google. Yeah, these are great companies. However, you know you see some fluctuations in the market, and you could see some massive declines within your portfolio. Yeah, and Roblox might be popular today, but maybe the metaverse. I don't know. I'm not long on the metaverse myself, but maybe it becomes popular really soon, and maybe yeah. people forget about Roblox. Or same thing with Crocs. Maybe Merrill makes the new hot version of of plastic shoes and so crocs falls by the wayside <laughs> or you know you talk about open ai the chatbot kind of stuff and coming to into vogue and yeah, maybe it's not google who yeah. is leading that race maybe in fact it is microsoft with is is being microsoft's product that's right the uh also known as sydney the uh the chatbot 
And so it can be fun to invest in these single companies, but either way, we typically recommend no more than 5% of your overall portfolio yeah. um, invested within those single stocks, and within the single companies. In Lena's case, like you said, if it piques her interest, if it gets her kind of excited about investing, I see that as a plus. But I think now that you've got some money invested, Lena, now's the time to kind of start prioritizing index funds moving forward, right? Like, Hold on to some of that Roblox stock. It's kind of fun to see what happens, but let's keep pushing more money towards those index funds, which are just going to help you build wealth over the long term. And it's going to be less risky in the process. But let's get to the heart of your question, which is about investing for later or spending more money now, which is such a good question, such a good question. And it's really everybody who kind of wants to be frugal and who also wants to build their wealth for the future. This is the question they keep coming back to, or Mm -hmm. they should keep coming back to, right? Should I save? invest more or should I enjoy some of the money here and now? That is something that Matt and I wrestle with as individuals and that we kind of try to wrestle with here on the show, try to point people towards helpful ways to think about it. But lots of personal finance advice, they stress frugality. And we do too. We talk about frugality, but uh, some people do it to the exclusion of enjoying yourself now. It's hard to give you a slam dunk answer as to whether or not you should invest or spend this money because let's run some numbers really quick. The $2,000 that you got, if you invested it all right now at age 11, it turns out that money is going to be worth basically $100,000 when you're 60. You know, that's that's just assuming 8% returns. So keep that in mind, right? It's incredible what a small sum of money can do over basically 50 years, which is kind of the brilliance of you investing at such a young age. But it's also important to mention that we don't want you to allow the math to keep you from enjoying some of the money that you're bringing in now either. Yeah, and obviously Lena's too young for beer, but this is exactly why we talk about our craft beer equivalent. It's, it's why we ask every single one of our guests what it is that they splurge on uh, in the day-to-day while still being responsible for their future. Because th- th- this is what we do, right? We buy expensive beer sometimes, but it is not enough to derail our investing goals. Uh, and so Lena, we don't want you to, to invest so much now that you aren't able to enjoy whatever your personal craft beer equivalent is. And also, don't forget about your your more medium-term savings goals as well. Uh, you could start saving for a car now if you wanted to, right? If, if that is a priority. Basically, it sounds like you've got a bunch of money on hand that you're not super interested in spending at the moment and spending now. But guess what? There are likely going to be things that you want to spend money on tomorrow or, you know, like the symbolic tomorrow, right? Like not literally tomorrow, but like down the road, you're going to want to spend money on something. I feel like over the years, that's something that I've learned where like, I'm always surprised at how I change my mind on things. Even now at the age of 40, I still change my mind. <laughs> like even just a few years ago, I thought, you know what, let's go ahead and renovate this house. And let's go ahead and make some changes that we know we're not going to be able to get the money out of by spending extra on these things. However, it doesn't matter because we're going to live here for the rest of our life. Like literally you can bury me in the backyard and then three years later, yeah, we moved. <laughs> uh, and so don't underestimate your ability to, to change your mind. And by having this cash on hand to save up for some of those goals, it just puts you in such a great position. It puts you in a strong position to be able to afford some of those new goals that you might have there in the future, as opposed to financing some of those purchases. Yeah. But in you're buying yourself future flexibility, right? By continuing to save and invest some of these totally. dollars as opposed, as opposed to spending them in the here and now. But I will say too, don't forget to use some of those dollars to spend now in ways that move the needle and that make you happy. Because I'm thinking about my nephew. He's 15. So he's a few years older than you, but his favorite thing to do is to go to the dollar store with his buds. And so he has a certain, (laughs) he keeps a certain amount of his allowance and he spends a decent chunk of that on kind of those like fun 
runs to the dollar store with with his friends and i think like because like it, it stinks to say oh no i can't do that because i'm investing for my 60 year old self and while there is benefit to doing that and while we wouldn't want to deter you from investing for your future we would say it's great that you're doing it and you should continue doing that don't do it to the exclusion of fun things that you could participate in now with friends, right? And so I'm not sure if your friends are going bowling on a Friday night or something like that. Then, and that's something you want to do, then I would say go for it and make sure you give yourself the freedom to spend on things that matter in the here and now while you're also investing for the future. So it's just so easy um, when for certain people of a certain kind of uh, brain wiring to save and invest incessantly and forget that it's important to spend on things that matter now. And, and I say that as someone who has that problem, <laughs> who can sometimes uh, save and invest to my own detriment in the here and now, uh, but as someone who's grown in that as well. So, so Lena, I hope that's helpful. We, we, we want you to save and invest. We want you to be smart about medium-term goals and about long-term goals, but we also don't want you to overdo it and miss out on kind of the, the fun experiences that money can buy even now too. Yeah, basically what we're addressing here is what was not included in your question, which is some of the stuff you wanted to spend your money on yeah. <laughs> right now. Well, she, no, she so, mentioned that. She was wondering about spending money too and like, should she save it, invest it or spend right. it? Right, but specifically, as you know, she mentioned the single stocks that she's invested in. She's talking about the fact she's got the Schwab account. She's not talking about, well, I really want to save up for this immediate term goal, this this sort of splurge. Uh, and so I, I think what we're trying to do here is provide some balance to the question that she was able to, yeah. to come to us with. And it's easy to, again, give you those numbers and tell you how much money that will be years and decades down the road. And that's true, right? And so that's part of the reason to invest. But the other side of the coin is that all investing and no spending now can be pretty dismal too. But Matt, let's get to our next question. This one comes from a listener who wants to pay off his mortgage early. He wants to know how to do it in the most effective manner. Hey guys, this is Dakota. I'm a CPA from Ohio, and I had a question about mortgage payment optimization. I recently purchased a duplex at roughly a 5.3 interest rate on a 30-year loan. I know the first number of years is mostly interest uh, on all the payments, and because of that, I try to put down a couple hundred dollars extra in every payment, and then a little extra on three paycheck months. But my question is, is there some way to optimize the amount of extra that you are paying on a mortgage payment? At 5.3%, I'm happy with the return on that investment versus trying to invest it in the market. Uh, but I can't say that paying off the mortgage is my main financial goal. I could probably try to adjust my budget and set aside more every month to get on the principal, but I don't know when diminishing returns might hit. Any recommendation on what might be the best way to optimize those extra payments or if there's some sort of value-added calculator that I could use? Uh, right now, there's roughly 100000 uh, that's left on the loan. Thanks so much for the help. All right, Joel. This question, I feel like it brings up a lot of thoughts. <laughs> uh, so, Dakota, bear with us as we, uh, as, you know, we, we might annoy you a little bit with what we have to say here. TMI. Uh, but first of all, we, we don't want to rain on your parade because obviously everyone's got different financial goals. Uh, but before you keep attacking this mortgage debt with the tenacity that you're currently doing it with, well, we want you to ask yourself whether this is going to be the best option for you or not. Um, if you didn't listen to our interview last week with Tom Anderson, we would recommend for you to check that one out. But we've talked about the, the strategic use of debt before here on the show. Uh, but mortgage debt, it is the 
It's tough for us to say that it's good debt, right? But it, it's the least bad debt in existence most of the time. Oh, I might and, almost, almost, if it's the good kind of mortgage debt, say it's good. Like it, it, as long as it's, it's all, like really low interest rate. Except that so much of it matters though. With it depends on what you do with the money that you would otherwise put towards yes. uh, those payments. True. Uh, but we want to make sure that that you aren't foregoing some of those other financial goals because you're so laser focused on paying off that debt. Um, you know, you said that you're happy with the ROI that you are receiving by paying off that mortgage early, but we do want to play, you know, devil's advocate a little bit here. Yeah, agreed. I like to play devil's advocate in my home. It annoys my wife sometimes because she's like, just tell me what you think. But I think it's important here, even though you said, hey, I feel I feel like this is the best decision for me. It's not my number one financial goal, but it's something that it sounds like you're putting a lot of focus into paying off this mortgage. And we don't want to dissuade you from paying off your mortgage if that's your goal. But we do want to give you some food for thought, some things to think through before you say, yes, this is definitely the path I'm going down. And like, it makes me think mad of, of a couple of people that have been on the show before. You know, a lot of people in the personal finance realm, they've got differing opinions or at least different reactions based on kind of interior psychology. And Morgan Housel and Andy from Marriage, Kids and Money, they, brilliant dudes, paid off their mortgage even though the numbers would have told them to do something else, right? And those guys, they're smart. <laughs> I really like their work. And so uh, it's its not that people can't make different decisions based on the same information. It's certainly not a bad thing to prioritize getting rid of debt. But you mentioned the episode that we just did with Tom Anderson. Tom, he said last Monday that, that doing this impacts your liquidity and it reduces options that you might have. And I just want to mention, <laughs> Dakota mentioned in his question that he bought a duplex. So my guess is that he's renting out the other half. He's he's like a budding real estate investor. And one thing that, Dakota, you could prioritize is to save up the money you would have used to pay off the mortgage more quickly in order to purchase that next property in the next couple of years. Maybe next time you get a quadplex, I don't know, and you start growing wealth by adding real estate to your portfolio. And so I guess my only thing is not that paying down mortgage debt is a bad thing, but it could prevent you from from taking other actions that could really impact your ability to grow wealth for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And in particular, when we're talking about paying off a mortgage, it's got a, a fairly low interest rate, right? Like he's talking about a rate that's close to 5%. That's not bad in today's environment when you can earn like pretty much that much <laughs> just by saving it. So Dakota, enough of all that. We'll uh, actually get to your specific question here. Let's talk about optimizing those mortgage payments. And so if paying off this debt is one of your major financial priorities, you're doing a great job. Uh, some folks will save up enough to make an extra payment towards the end of the year. That approach, that strategy, just that one extra payment every year, that will take five years off of a 30-year mortgage. Uh, it reduces the amount that you pay towards interest significantly. Uh, so that's one strategy that you can take. But I think that paying just a little bit extra, paying a little more when you have the money on hand, that just makes the most sense. In this way, there's there's less of a prescribed, perfect way of doing things as opposed to like a more like more of an emotional or psychological win standpoint, right? Like because basically Dakota is wanting to crunch the numbers perfectly. He wants their he wants to be able to enter the numbers into a calculator and get essentially the exact result. But I think what you should focus on instead, Dakota, is do what you know will yield you the highest results from a personal standpoint, like from an emotional, from that psychological standpoint. Because you know that if you look at the numbers, the most optimal thing to do would be to not take those additional dollars to put towards that debt. It would be to take those those dollars and instead invest that money in the market or to take those dollars and to put them, uh, save them up as another down payment on another investment property. 
But again, we've all got different goals. We've all got different levels of risk that we are willing to expose ourselves to. Uh, and so with that in mind, I would say worry less about the perfect amount of additional payment that you should be making towards that mortgage you know where you're looking at diminishing returns and instead focus on the returns that you are feeling from a just from a personal standpoint yeah. right like this is where the personal side of personal finances comes into place less about finding that perfect number and it's more about the psychological wins yeah i mean that's exactly what morgan and andy the guys i referenced earlier have told us they're like we know it's not the smart money move but it's the best thing for us exactly. and, and, and if you think about it that way that's totally fine like make that move paying more quickly on that mortgage when you have the money in hand makes sense make sure that it's going towards the principal right and not towards interest payments but yeah if we're talking about overall optimization Paying off the mortgage like that, at least from a historical, numerical, liquidity standpoint, it's not going to be the most optimized path. But personal finance is also not about fully optimized. (laughs) Because if it was, Mm -hmm. we would have just told Lena a second ago to invest all her money and not think about having fun now. Because that is kind of the, the, the most rational way to proceed. But we're not fully rational human beings, and we shouldn't be, right? We should have money to enjoy. We should use money to make sure that we can sleep well at night. And so hopefully, Dakota, you're able to take all of this information because I don't know, I I went into the back end of my mortgage provider, Matt. I was just curious. They had a a cute little calculator dial thing in that I could kind of see, well, how much, what what would happen if I paid a little extra? Nice. And it said, if I, I just kind of slid it over to 50 bucks and it said, I would save $12,000 in interest over the life of the loan. And I would cut uh, one year and nine months off of my payments. And I was like, that's that's pretty good. Like just an extra 50 bucks, that would make a big difference over time. And so I see there's a psychological benefit in that. And I get why people would make that decision, but it's just not the decision that you and I have made, right? That's right. Yeah. And again, I think it does also go back to what Dakota would do with those dollars otherwise, because I think that is why most people like that. That is the best argument for making additional payments on your mortgages, because if you know that you're just going to spend that money, if you're going to fritter it away, if you're going to go on those expensive family vacations (laughs) like Tiffany's family's doing. Yeah. uh, If that is what you're going to do with that money, then maybe it does make sense for you to trick yourself into squirreling away more by sinking that equity into that home. It's the Uh, bird in the hand approach, which makes sense to me. Yeah. But if you know, if you can be maybe like extra disciplined and say, well, I'm not going to put that additional money towards the mortgage, but I'm going to set it aside. I'm going to put it in this bucket, maybe a savings bucket through your checking account. And I'm only going to use that money to invest in an opportunity that comes along or to, to look for the next rental property. If you're looking to optimize, I think that is the absolute best way to optimize every single dollar. Yeah, for sure. All right. We got more questions to get to, Matt, including a listener who wants to know about the timing of paying off a credit card uh, balance and whether that impacts the rewards that he receives. We'll get to that one and more right after this. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. 
Cachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Cachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Cachava. Just go to Cachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money joel so we were just recounting our trip to scotland this is the trip that we took this time last year actually with some of our friends over the weekend and one of the highlights from edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop. Mm-hmm. They were fresh out of the oven. They had that perfectly flaky crust. But guess what? That serendipitous experience would never have happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel. We had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town, thanks to Airbnb. Ah, oh, Matt, I'm still dreaming about those meat pies. You're making, my, <laughs> you're making me drool. And while turning to Airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel, it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money. Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. All right, we are back from the break. And it is now time to hear from a listener who is wanting to make sure that he is not paying off his credit card too soon in order to receive those rewards. Let's hear it. Hey guys, Matt here from Winterville, just outside Athens. I'm curious about something with using credit cards. Do you still get the rewards for using a credit card if you pay off the purchase like immediately, or does it need to sort of sit in your statement for longer than a day? Uh, I'm just curious. I appreciate everything y'all have done for uh, me and my family. Thanks. Matt, we appreciate your kind words and other Matt who's sitting right here in front of me. Uh-huh. It's, it's interesting. I, I feel like I've heard so much confusion over the years from people when it comes to when and how they pay their credit cards off. And they're not sure about how it impacts their credit score. They're not sure how it impacts their rewards. So while this isn't the kind of question we get all the time, I think this is something that lingers in the back of people's minds. Totally. So I'm glad we're able to address it today. Uh, a lot of people, and we'll talk about actually why it might make sense in some ways to pay off your credit card more regularly like Matt's doing. And I think one of the good things is it seems like he's allergic to debt, which is a good thing, especially in particular allergic to credit card debt, because that is um, one of the worst kinds of debt you could get into, especially now as interest rates have been rising, right? And there are actually a couple of benefits that you can snag by paying your credit card off regularly instead of just once a month. And so basically, here's how it works. It's going to keep your utilization low, which is a major factor in your credit score. And that just basically is a fancy way of saying the amount of credit that you have available to you while using a small amount of that is going to reflect better and give you a higher credit score. So by paying it off 
like regularly, maybe once a week, or, or even like if Matt's doing it, maybe after every purchase, that is a way to keep your utilization low. The amount of debt that the credit card company reports to the credit bureaus is going to be minimal to non-existent, which just makes you look better from a credit perspective. But it's also got this added benefit of treating your credit card which Matt and I have always said is a superior method of payment. For more on that, you can go back and listen to our recent episode about uh, using your credit card the way nature intended, the way God intended it. Mm-hmm. And But using it more like a debit card is an interesting way to kind of mentally approach it, which is what Matt's doing, right? Especially, let's say you've been riding the Dave Ramsey train, but you're ready to dip your toes in the credit card waters because you've been listening to How to Money or somebody else for a little while. Well, paying off your credit card more regularly can help you get accustomed to this new way of life, ensuring that you're using what we'd say is a tool properly. You're using it the right way instead of getting yourself into trouble with it. Yeah, by paying that off more frequently, like let's say you are paying it off every week, it gives you it's a better representation of how much money you truly do have on hand as opposed to waiting till the end of the month and all yeah. of a sudden you have a massive shock to your checking account. Which is kind of part of the breakdown for credit cards for most people is you're not seeing the correlation between spending and less money in your account. So you're continuing to spend just like yeah. you got all this money on hand, but no, you've spent a quarter of your money on right. already for the month or a half and you're spending like you've got it all still. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the psychological component of credit cards. That That's the part of it that we don't like. But it is important to note that the credit card companies, they don't honestly care uh, when it is or, or how it is that you pay your bill. I mean, you know, they definitely want you to pay your bill at some point, but they're more than fine with you taking your sweet time, right? Like they're going to pay you your rewards. But if you pay late, you know, or if you just pay the minimum amount due, they're going to make out like bandits. Yeah. They uh, actually prefer you as a customer. Yeah, when you treat ex- your credit card Exactly. That way. Yeah. They, they do care. They want you to pay later because <laughs> uh, those rewards are going to pale in comparison to the interest that they can generate from the poor credit card habits from the majority of customers out there. Basically, 50% of credit card users handle their cards this way where they're not paying their cards on time, where they are paying interest to the banks. That's not good. We don't want folks using credit cards if they can't pay their bill on time and in full every single month. Yeah. But Matt, let's get directly to whether or not you get those credit card rewards, even if you pay off a purchase right away. So yeah, that that taco, you just bought a Taco Bell, might post uh, within 24 hours pretty quickly. But do you get the rewards immediately? No, you don't. Those purchases... You, you certainly get the downsides of Taco Bell within 24 hours. <laughs> yes, you do. I haven't had Taco Bell in many years because I've experienced those downsides. Joel, Joel fills that in about 24 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to. But uh, those purchases, basically, they're, they're charged to your account. No matter if you pay off that purchase that day or if you wait a week or even a month, right? That purchase has triggered whatever award you are entitled to. And it's not like it erases that purchase as if it didn't happen. So now uh, from a personal standpoint, when you're looking at your current balance, it looks like it's been erased, but not from an accrual of reward standpoint, because when you paid your bill or how often you made payments, it has no impact on the rewards that you're earning, right? It's all about how expensive that taco was. So feel free to pay as frequently as you'd like, that doesn't matter. But whatever method helps you keep your usage in check and your budget intact is probably the best one to take. There's just no need, though, we would say to obsess necessarily. But if it, if it works for you, then go for it. But from that rewards accrual standpoint, you're going to get those rewards after the statement closes, even if you pay off that expense basically right after it happened. Exactly. Yeah, that charge has been posted. And even though it looks like, according to your balance, that that charge never happened, to you, it looks like that charge never happened. But from a rewards points, from a mile standpoint, it has totally happened. And as far as when you actually will see those points hit your account, sometimes it's like within a few days after uh, you make those charges. But most cards, it takes about 
30 days. It, it takes one billing cycle, essentially. I think American Express, they say it can take up to like 60 days before some of those points will post to your account. But you're still um, getting them, and that's what's important to ex- Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're definitely getting them. Um, actually, the, the only card that, that does things a little bit differently is the City Double Cash card. That's actually one of our favorites. We feature that one in our credit card optimization strategy. We've got a link in the show notes to that article that we'll make sure to link to. Uh, but this card actually pays out 1% when you spend that money, uh, when you make those charges. But then you earn 1% when you pay your bill. So as long as you're, you know, you're paying the minimum amount every single month, again, this is not the approach, the strategy that we would recommend for you to do to only pay the minimums. But as long as you're paying your bill, you're earning 2% on all of your purchases, which makes it a just a great catch-all card for you know categories that you can't easily optimize further. Uh, but it's the only card that I know of that's not basing the rewards that it doles out purely upon your spending. It, it's also partly based on you paying that bill off. But Matt, it, you know, it sounds like you're doing just fine with, with how it is that you're handling your credit cards. We would recommend for you to honestly just keep it up. Uh, we don't want you to log in every single day where you're making sure your points post. Yeah. It might take a couple of weeks. Some, you know, it might take more than even that full billing cycle before it shows up. Uh, We don't want you to stress over it from that standpoint. But if it is helpful for you to go in there, uh, in particular, if you make like a really large purchase, maybe you're booking some plane tickets or you're booking some lodging for some some travel uh, for the spring or the summer. And if that's not a charge that you want to sit have sit there on your balance where you're taking up a large percentage of the credit that's available to you, well, then by all means, go in there pay that balance off. But otherwise, you know, if you're using it for your day-to-day purchases, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Yeah. So Matt, hopefully that clarified some stuff for you and you're all set to keep earning rewards and paying your bill off on time. But Matt, let's get to our next question. This one comes from a young investor who is looking to kind of ramp up her contributions and do even more. Hello, Matt and Joel. My name is Logan and I'm from Missouri. I had some questions about saving for retirement. I'm on Money Gear 5. I'm currently contributing 10% to my work 401k and only have 14,000 at age 28. So I want to for sure bump up my investing to 5% to meet this Money Gear, but wasn't sure if I should put it in the 401k or open up a Roth IRA. Also, I could bump up my contribution to 20% and come close to the 401k limit at the end of the year. If I do this, I won't feel my raise at all, and it would be as if I'm making the same amount that I'm used to, which would be tight since the cost of daycare of two children is pretty expensive. I was wondering if there was a rule of thumb to know if you're going to have enough for retirement. Also, last question, I hear you guys talking about HSAs a lot. My work has HSAs, but it's not my preferred method for our health insurance. If we are not planning to use an HSA for health insurance, should I still consider using it for saving for retirement? Thanks for all your guys' assistance. All right, Logan, thank you so much for that question. Joel, we've always got to have at least at least one question that has to do with investing. So it's great to hear from another investor who is killing it. Uh, and Logan, you know, aside from future investing that you're, you're considering that you might do, you are already socking away 10% of your income. And it sounds like you don't have any higher rate debt in your life. This is especially amazing considering that you've got two young kids in daycare. Daycare is not a super cheap thing in life. And you're talking about bumping it up, right? It would be massively impressive if you are able to increase that to 20%. It just shows that you are living frugally. You are prioritizing investing in a major way. So just a massive kudos to you, Logan, just right off the bat here. Yeah. Those years with young kids, multiple daycare account. Like you, you, I remember when my first one finally got into kindergarten or actually into state-funded pre-K. And I was like, 
Well, man, what a Basically, way to find feel, back. It feels like you get a massive raise. Yes, uh, that's which, exactly right. Yeah. I love the direction that Logan's going because pretty. I mean, yeah, I don't this, know how old her kids are, but pretty soon it's going to feel like she's going to get multiple raises. Yeah, if she can get to twenty percent while she's got two kids in daycare. Oh my gosh! Imagine what she's <laughs> going to be able to do when she's both of them it. are in actual like school and <laughs> she's not having to fork over any money for that. That is, uh, so to get to that point now, Logan, like don't beat yourself up. I, I feel like you you mentioned at one point, oh, I've only got fourteen thousand dollars at the age of twenty eight. That's a pretty good sum. And and it's all about dialing up over time what you're able to invest and continuing to do it regularly, which it sounds like is exactly what you're doing. So I would just say you should actually be thrilled with where you're at and, and not upset about it. By the way, let's talk about which accounts you should prioritize. That's a big part of your question here. Should you stick it all in the 401k or should you open a Roth IRA? Well, we're big fans of going with your 401k until you've gotten the full company match. I didn't. You didn't mention whether or not you have access to a match. I hope you do. So I hope that 10% you're putting in comes with additional money invested from your employer. But after that, we would say invest the rest of your dollars that you have set aside to invest into that Roth IRA. We like that for a couple of reasons. One, you've got some tax diversity when you do both of those accounts. Uh, The Roth accounts that are superior for a lot of folks, especially folks who are earlier in their careers and who are likely to make more money down the road, which at the age of 28, my guess is you've got higher incomes in your future. The Roth is also more flexible than the 401k. Basically, we sure hope that you never have to tap it. But if you do need access to some of those dollars at some point in the future, taking contributions out of a Roth is pretty simple. You don't have to pay taxes and penalties. So kind of taking the both and approach, making sure you're getting the full match from your employer, then sticking some more money in the Roth, then going back to the 401k if you've got extra to invest beyond the annual contribution limits, we think that's the best strategy. Totally. Yeah. And Logan was also asking about a a rule of thumb for retirement savings to know if she had enough to retire. Uh, There certainly is. And this is important to mention because you're going to hear a lot of different conflicting advice, a lot of different numbers out there. For instance, a recent Bloomberg survey says that people need uh, a grand total of three to $5 million set aside in order to retire comfortably. I just got demoralized pretty quick. Yeah, this pretty much just sets folks up for failure because most folks are going to be unable to achieve this, even with great investing habits. Uh, And so a better rule of thumb would be to amass 25 times your annual expenses. We talked about this one in our our recent episode on retiring early. Uh, But this is a great simple way to break down how much you might need. But that 25 times your annual expenses is also an imperfect measurement because when it is that you retire, uh, how much your spending is likely to change within retirement is going to have an impact on it. Whether or not you have a paid off home, for instance, that's going to have a big impact on your expenses every single year. But then also uh, different sources of income as well, like whether or not you have a pension, whether how much you're going to be receiving from Social Security, that as well, right? Inflation. All of these things are going to need to be taken into account as well. But that being said, that rule of thumb, 25 times your annual expenses is a decent rule of thumb. So for instance, let's say your annual expenses uh, are somewhere in the $40,000 a year range. Well, that means that $1 million within your retirement account would theoretically be enough for you to retire on. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the complexities, but also the rule of thumb. I think both of those things in conjunction, you can kind of hone in and figure out what that rule of thumb should be for you. You might want to aim for 
32 or 35 year annual expenses because you want more padding. And that's kind of one of the things we talked about in our retire early episode too. Some people are like, cool, as long as I hit that 25X number, I'm going to be good. But they're not factoring in those other things. And it that's could. when I'm going to turn in my two week notice. Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, maybe, maybe not. Don't, do, don't quite do that. Yeah. It could sink your retirement ship then if you are, if you haven't planned it down to, and you don't know, okay, well, I can definitely make it on that with some wiggle room on top. But let's talk about HSAs too for a second, Matt, because that's one thing I wanted to touch on that Logan brought up in their question. She said that an HSA isn't her preferred method for getting health insurance. What that means, I guess, is that a, a high deductible plan is not ideal for their family. It doesn't suit their healthcare needs the best, which is totally fine. We don't want the, the retirement tail wagging the dog here. It's true. HSAs are awesome, uh, but only if a high deductible healthcare plan is the best choice for you from a medical and financial perspective. So don't switch things up just because we've talked about how great HSAs are and move to an inferior healthcare plan just to have access to one. Uh, it, like for, for other listeners who do have a high deductible healthcare plan and they like it, your HSA should likely become your new favorite retirement account. We have an article about that on the website, exactly how to use it to maximize that account for retirement, investing inside of that instead of using it as a spending vehicle for, for current healthcare needs. We'll link to that in the show notes. But Logan, yeah, if a high deductible healthcare plan makes sense at some point in the future for your family and, and your healthcare needs, then that's when you would want to prioritize an HSA. But I totally. would not suggest moving to the healthcare plan that's going to be inferior, that's not going to provide enough coverage, or that's going to cost you more money out of pocket just so you can put more money in that account. Yeah. But Logan, if you are able to handle those costs out of pocket where you're paying those expenses manually and you're able to leave those HSA dollars untouched from a tax standpoint, well, then you're contributing funds uh, that are going to be triple tax advantaged as opposed to tax advantage, you know, just in one way, yeah. uh, like you are with a, a 401 or a Roth IRA. Uh, Joe, let's get back to the beer, man. You and I enjoyed a double cloud. This was a double IPA from New Park Brewing, donated to the show by Matthew. What were your thoughts on this one? All right, I'm going to give three adjectives here. It was light, it was fluffy, and it was pillowy. That's just because it's got clouds on the on the label. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of tasted like I was like going up into the sky with a straw and getting one of those like uh, cumulus clouds, right? The big fluffy ones. You're drinking straight I hazy IPA straight yep. out of the sky. Oh, man. Dude, Which I would say this had serious... Sounds like a scene out of The Big Lebowski. Yeah, if I'm honest. <laughs> this had uh, serious tropical notes. Like it had like a, I totally get what you're saying as far as like a fluffy, fluffiness to it. It had like these soft tropical notes. I don't know if it was, it wasn't like guava, but maybe, maybe a little bit of passion fruit, but like right up, like right out of the gate. That's what I was tasting. Like these, these uh, tropical notes that you're able to, that different breweries are able to tease out of hops. That's what's so amazing. Again, we've talked about this before, but IPAs, depending on the different hops that you use, you're able to pull all of these different flavors. There's just all sorts of crazy, I mean, Australian hops produce mm -hmm. different uh, flavors. It really is kind of one of these fascinating plants that can produce just so many different varieties. I mean, I, I don't even know how many varieties of of hops there are now, but just kind of the way they work in conjunction or even solo. Sometimes they, when a brewery will elevate a single hop and just use that in a beer. Just the way they do it. It's amazing to see how, like the kind of flavors they can produce. That's right. Yeah. And maybe you're thinking, well, I've had an IPA before and I couldn't even finish it because it was so dang bitter. Look for a, a hazy IPA because the, those different hazies are going to have just a little more sweetness going mm -hmm. on. Uh, in my opinion, it makes them a lot easier to drink, makes them a lot more delicious. Yeah. It's one of those things where, yeah, I can run the gamut. You can have one IPA that you love, another IPA that you hate. There's just all sorts of varieties for different strokes for different folks in the in, in just that one category of beer. That's so, right. But that's going to do it for this episode, my friends. Uh, listeners, you can find show notes for this uh, episode up on our website at howtomoney.com, including that article about the HSA and how glorious it is. 
That's right. So let's get out of here, man. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.